Open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 3. God is deepening our faith in him, our love for him, and our obedience to him in our study through Titus. The theme of chapter 1 is right leadership. The theme of chapter 2 is right teaching. The theme of chapter 3 is right living. God teaches us his truth and he empowers us to obey his truth day by day by his Holy Spirit in us. We see this in all areas of our lives. One area where this is especially true is in the area of parenting. I love the story that was told about the young parents who had their six-year-old son in big church with them Sunday morning. And uh, they were there in that one Sunday morning, and they were in big church, and uh, they were having a battle. Uh, they were having trouble keeping their six-year-old son quiet and still while he was in big church. All the tactics, all the tricks that they were able to use prior were not working on this particular Sunday morning. Nothing they did worked. And so finally the dad got frustrated and he scooped his six-year-old son up into his arms. He stepped out of the aisle and he started walking sternly back down that aisle towards the doors to the exit of the worship center. And that young boy knew what was coming. And so as his dad was carrying him, he began to yell, pray for me, pray for me. As parents, there are days when we want to yell, pray for me. Thankfully, we know God hears and answers our prayers according to his will for us, which is best for us. God is our ever-present source of help at all times. As the psalmist told us, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There is no better, there is no greater help than the help that we receive from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he's going to help us to understand and apply his truth in our lives again this morning. As we continue our study through chapter 3, Paul this morning is going to answer a question that we are all familiar with. It's a question that Parents have been asked hundreds and thousands of times. It's the beloved question, why? 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 Paul begins in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and he writes, Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness, to all people. Remind means to bring to mind a cause to remember. Paul gave Titus seven reminders to share with God's people. These reminders in verses one and two answer the question, what? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to submit to authorities, obey authorities, be ready for every good work. We're not to slander anyone. We're to avoid fighting and being quarrelsome and argumentative with others. Instead, we're to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. Beginning in verse 3, Paul is going to start to answer the question, why? Why? Why are we supposed to do what we're supposed to do? Why about the what? In verse 3, 
Paul wrote, for we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived. We were enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. This is an amazing verse. This is an incredible verse. This is an outstanding verse. This is a verse that is a huge blessing to you and me and every follower of Jesus Christ. Four connects verses one and two with verses three through eight. Four connects the what of this passage to the why of this passage. Four, we too. We too grabs our attention. We too means Paul, Titus, you, me, and all followers of Jesus Christ. We too means we are not alone. For we too were once. We're once causes us to reflect. We're once causes us to think back on our past. We're once reminds us of who we were. We're once reminds us of how we lived. For we too were once children under God's wrath. For we too were once dead in our sins and transgressions. For we too were once enemies of God at war with God due to our sin against God. For we too were once far away from God. For we too were once separated from God by our sin against God. For we too were once without hope and without God in this world. For we too were once in need of kindness. For we too were once in need of gentleness. For we too were once in need of forgiveness. For we too were once in need of grace. For we too were once in need of help. For we too were once in need of love. For we too were once in need of mercy. For we too were once in need of patience. For we too were once in need of salvation. Paul told us in verse 3, this was us. This was us. He's holding the mirror up to our faces in verse 3. And he described us in seven ways. We were once foolish. Foolish means spiritually ignorant, without spiritual understanding. Foolish is the term that Jesus used to describe the two men he walked and talked with after his resurrection. He said to them, how foolish you are to not believe what the prophets have spoken years before. Foolish is the word that Paul used to describe those in 1 Timothy who longed and had a great desire to get rich. He said they fell into a trap with many foolish desires. We were once foolish. We were once without spiritual understanding. We were once ignorant about God, our need for Jesus, and our need for the forgiveness of sins that only Jesus offers us. We were once foolish. We were once disobedient. Disobedient means without persuasion. It describes someone who does not believe God, know God, or obey God. Disobedient means to disregard authority, God's and ours. Note, foolishness and unbelief leads to disobedience. Paul used this term disobedient to describe the false teachers in Crete at the end of chapter 1. We too were once disobedient. We were not only foolish, we were disobedient. We lived our way, not God's way. We didn't believe God, know God, love God, trust God, or obey God. We were once deceived. Now, deceived has a passive and active meaning. Deceive in a passive voice means to be led astray from God into sin. 
Deceived in that active voice means to turn from God into sin. Satan is the deceiver, the liar, the tempter. John told us in the book of Revelation that Satan is the one who deceives the whole world. So any and all deception begins with Satan. He is the great deceiver. So those who do not have a relationship with God, by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus, they are spiritually deceived. They are spiritually dead in their sins. And Paul said, we too were once deceived. We too were once spiritually deceived. We were separated from God by our sin against God. We were spiritually dead in our sins. Now, this deception continues which Paul has talked about over and over again in our study through Titus, even as followers of Christ, we've got to be on guard against deception. And there are two ways that we're most often deceived today. The first is we're most often deceived by our flesh. That's why Paul said, walk by the Spirit, not the flesh. The flesh desires what is against and opposed to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is against and opposed to the flesh, so you don't do what you want to do. That's why Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful beyond cure. Who can understand it? The worst advice to give to anyone is trust your heart. Don't trust your heart. Why? Because your heart is deceitful. It's easily deceived. Don't trust your heart. Trust the Lord and his truth. So we got to be on guard. We're deceived by our own flesh. I love what Paul David Tripp once said, a prominent author and pastor. He said, the sin in us is what attracts us to the sin outside us. It's that sin that we still have remaining in us that attracts us to the sin outside us. We're deceived by our flesh, but we're also deceived by false teachers. That's why Paul has said over and over again throughout Titus, and beginning in chapter 2, he said, but you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. You're to refute and rebuke pastors and elders, those who are false teachers. So we, too, were once deceived but then he continues, and he said, we too were once enslaved. We were once enslaved. Enslaved means to be in bondage to and controlled by. We were once in bondage to and controlled by sin. Paul gets specific and said, we were once enslaved by various passions and pleasures. Various means many different kinds and sorts. Passions and pleasures literally means the craving desires and lusts of our flesh as we pursued satisfaction in sin, self, and what this world offers rather than what God offered. We too were once enslaved by our various passions and pleasures. We were in bondage to, we were controlled by our sinful flesh. Fifth, he, said, he describes us, he says, we too, we were once, uh, we were once also, uh, he said that uh, we were uh, once uh, living in malice and envy. Living means that's our daily way of life. So we were once living, our daily way of life was in malice. Malice means depravity, evil. It means wickedness. Malice is a mean-spirited attitude that has intent, a mean-spirited attitude, malice, that has intent to harm, injure, and cause pain for others. Envy means to want what others want, but also to not want them to have what they have. Envy 
means I want what others want, but I also don't want them to have what they have. Malice and envy are dangerous, destructive sins. Paul told us love does not envy. Peter told us in 1 Peter 2 and verse 1, therefore rid yourselves, get rid of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. So Paul here is presenting this was us. We were once living in malice and envy before Jesus. He said, number six, we were once hateful. Hateful means extreme dislike, means disgust. And we know malice and envy in our hearts and minds leads to hatefulness. Malice and envy leads to hatefulness. And so he says we were once hateful of others. And then he finishes it by saying detesting one another. Detesting literally means hating. It means showing hostility to another person. The hate in our heart produced the detest in our actions. The hate in our heart produced in us a desire to detest one another. Now, we may not have understood and practiced all these sins in the depths of the sins before we came to faith in Jesus, but we were all sinners in need of a Savior before we came to faith in Jesus. So what Paul is saying here is this was us, but this is not us. This was who we were in the past. This is not who we are in the present. This is how we were, this is not how we are. This is who we were, this is not who we are. This is how we lived, this is not how we live. It's past, this was us, and now he continues in this passage and he turns the focus onto this is us. Look at verse four, look at this amazing verse, but he says, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Let's read that out loud together. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. This is an amazing verse. This is awesome. He says, but when... What a beautiful transition, but when. But when contrasts before to after. But when prioritizes and highlights God's response to our sin was to send his son, our savior, Jesus, to earth to rescue us from our sins. But when helps us to understand that Jesus is the kindness of God, the gentleness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the glory of God in the flesh. But God saved us. But God saved us. Say that with me out loud. But God saved us. 
He saved me. Say that with me out loud. He saved me. This is awesome. This is the good news from God's word. This was us. This is us. God saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God breathes spiritual life into our spiritually dead bodies. God forgave us our sins by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. Years and years ago, God freed us from our bondage to sin. God freed us from being controlled by sin. God freed us from the power of sin. God has made us alive with him in Christ Jesus. God has saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God rescued us from an eternity in hell. God has rescued us from the domain of darkness. God has transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, in Christ Jesus, we have forgiveness of sin, the redemption by his blood, which he shed for us on the cross of Calvary. Somebody say hallelujah. Come. That's awesome. That's awesome. This was us, but this is us. This is the beauty of God's word. We were once dead in our sins. We are now alive with God in Christ Jesus. We were once not a people. Now we are God's people. We once had not received mercy. Now we have received mercy. God has rescued us. He has brought us into the marvelous light of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's what Paul wants us to understand. If not, if not, for the delivering, forgiving, freeing, loving, rescuing, saving, supernatural grace of God, we would still be like those who don't know Jesus. If not for the grace of God, we would still be in verse 3. As difficult as it is for us to look at verse 3, as difficult as it is, for us to process through verse 3. When we understand that we're actually living in verse 4 and beyond, we can go back to verse 3 with joy. And we can go back to verse 3 singing hallelujah. We can go back to verse 3 rejoicing in the Lord always. We can go back into verse 3 saying amen and amen and amen. Because you see, the grace of God has rescued us, has rescued us, and brought us into the marvelous love and light and life of King Jesus. And so we can celebrate this was us, but we can most certainly celebrate this is us. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. We're new. We've been set apart from sin, and we've been set apart for the Savior, Jesus. 
We are children of God by faith in Jesus. We are forgiven by God by faith in Jesus. We are right with God by faith in Jesus. We have new life with God by faith in Jesus. We have abundant life with God by faith in Jesus. We have eternal life with God by faith in Jesus. We are victors in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. No one and nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. This is who we are in Christ. We have been saved by God's great work, not our good works. We've been saved by his great work through his son, our Savior, Jesus. And what Paul is wanting these believers to understand is here's the what. And we know about the what. That's the the list of the truths that we're to apply in our lives. And and in a sense, the what is, is our duty. Our duty as followers of Jesus Christ falls in line with the what. Here's what we're to do. As followers of Christ, here's what we're to do. We're to live in these ways. We're to bring glory and honor to his name. We're to walk as Jesus walked. That's the what. And we understand that and we grab a hold of that. But it's a whole lot more exciting and it's a whole lot more rewarding for us to understand the why to the what. Because when we understand the why, that supersizes the what. When we understand the why, oh, the why that we live out the what is because we were once dead in our sins and now we're alive with God in Christ Jesus because God raised us up from death to life, from darkness to light because God breathed spiritual life into my spiritually dead body. That's the why. Therefore, I can't wait to do the what because I am so thrilled by the why. The why is in Christ Jesus. You see, we are able to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. His finished work on the cross for you and for me. And so He's talking about, Paul in this passage is talking about right living. This is a big, huge, foundational reason for our right living is what we're walking through here in verses 3 and 4 and beyond. Verse 2, we see it, we understand it, the why, okay, okay, we get it. We understand now the why. Why are we to live for Christ? Because he gave himself for us. Why are we to be kind to others? Because he is kind to us. Why are we to show gentleness to all people? Because he is always and ever gentle with us. Why are we to encourage others? Because he is constantly encouraging us by his spirit in us. Why are we to love others? Because he loves us. Why are we to comfort others? Because he comforts us and we need to be comforted. Therefore, we need to comfort others. We need to run to one another. Why are we to avoid fighting and slander? And why are we to be kind to one another and gentle toward all people? Because that's how God treated us in Christ Jesus. And since he's blessed us, all these blessings. It is our joy, it is our privilege 
to turn now and to live that life for him. The why for the what. So what is our application today? What is our application? What, what, what do you need to take? What do I need to take? Again, God's going to call us to move from this place. He's teaching us his truth, and we'll continue to make our way through verse 5 and 6 and 7 next Sunday, Lord willing. He's calling us, though, today. He's wanting us to put this truth into action in our lives. You're going to get an opportunity, just like we say every week, you're going to get an opportunity to respond to this, to allow this to just be a part of your life. And when it happens this week, you're going to know. You're going to know. Last Sunday, someone told me, man, Pastor, after you told us to be ready, we're going to have to be ready to be kind and gentle to everyone. He said, I didn't even make it through lunch. <laughs> didn't even make it. He said, but I remembered that I was going to have this happen. It's going to happen again this week. It's going to happen this week. So what's our application? First is truly knowing, truly knowing who we were before we met Jesus enables us to truly embrace who we are in Jesus. Truly knowing who we were before Jesus enables us to truly embrace who we are in Jesus. So I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind. But now I see, because of the kindness, gentleness, grace, and love of Jesus alive and at work in me. This is our testimony as followers of Jesus. It's our testimony. We're recipients of God's grace. By the grace of God go you and me. But by the grace of God... Go you and me. But by the grace of God, we're able to be effective witnesses for Jesus. But by the grace of God, we're able to love one another like Jesus. But by the grace of God, we're able to encourage one another in Jesus. But by the grace of God, we're able to comfort one another in Christ Jesus. But by the grace of God, we're able to serve one another in Christ Jesus. You see, our only boast is in the fact that we know King Jesus that's our boast. And so truly knowing who we were before Jesus enables us to truly embrace who we are in Jesus, and that's going to produce humility in us. This is going to produce, this first application point is going to continually produce humility in our lives day by day by day by day. Because when we read verse 3 and verse 4, I don't believe we can read verses 3 and 4 without first being humbled and then being able and ready to stand up and shout hallelujah and sing praise to God. And so we know and understand. As Paul here is taking us back this morning, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, he's taking us back. He's holding the mirror up. And he's saying that, listen, if you're going to live right, then, then I need to bring you back. If you're going to live right, then you need to know why I'm calling you to do what I'm calling you to do. Because what God wants from us is not just duty, it's a desire. He wants that God-given desire by his Holy Spirit in us to fuel 
our duty, our daily living. And that happens when we understand verses 3 and verses 4. The second application point is we witness best to the lost world around us as we remember we were once just like them. We witness best to the lost world around us as we remember we were once just like them. You see, our past before Jesus should motivate are present in Jesus. We of all people should clearly understand day by day, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Our old life of sin and self is gone. Our old life in the darkness and death of sin is gone, and our new life set apart in the Savior has come. And so we're not the same. What does this mean? What well, means this? We must not, here's what it means, we must not Slander, argue, or fight with those who don't know Jesus because we were once just like them. We don't need to slander, fight, argue with those who don't know Jesus because we were just like them. Instead, we need to be kind, gentle, and gracious with those who don't know Jesus because there was someone or someone's, plural, who were kind, gentle, and gracious with us, which helped us to come to faith in Christ Jesus. And so we're not to slander, argue, or fight. Instead, we're to be kind, gracious, and gentle so that we can be used by God, so that we can join God in his work of changing the lives of those around us for eternity. We know for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're to love one another. We're to care for one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to carry one another's burdens. We're to speak God's truth and love to one another. We're to confront one another in love. We know how we're to interact with one another's brothers and sisters in Christ. But we also see here what Paul is saying is he's reminding us, listen, you're going to be a whole lot more effective. That right living is going to be a whole lot more effective. You're going to witness to those who need Jesus a whole lot more effectively as you just simply remember that you were once just like them. And God chose to use someone or someones to help you come to faith in Christ. And he wants to use you to help others come to faith in Christ. God's desire for us each day, each week, this week in particular, what I would encourage you as you prepare to go to your workplace, as you prepare to go back to the neighborhoods, as you prepare to go back into the schools, as you prepare to do all that God's called you to do, as you prepare to go minister to the congregations that God has given to you, and as a follower of Jesus, every one of you has a congregation, my encouragement to you and to me is to simply pray, God, help me. God, help me today. Help me in this moment. Help me in this meeting. Help me in this conversation. Help me to see those who don't know Jesus yet how you see them. Help me to love them as you love them. Help me to respond to them 
as you want me to respond to them. And God, help me to do the same thing with all those, including my brothers and sisters in Christ that you place around me. You know this as well as I do. Before and after pictures and TV shows are popular today. There's before and after shows on all the time. And people love before and after pictures and before and after TV shows because those pictures and those shows celebrate, highlight, emphasize the change that has taken place. And so in those shows, with those pictures, as they're put up, the change many times is breathtaking. And it produces celebration and great emotion. And those who were aware of the before and are now seeing the after. There is no greater before and after. There is no change worth celebrating more than God's change of us in Christ Jesus. There's no greater, no greater after picture than you and me saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. I said, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No, no, no. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sins. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again on that third day, victorious over sin and death for you and me. Victorious over sin and death for you and me. That means he made the way possible for us to know God. He makes the way possible for us to live day by day for God. And he makes the way possible for us to spend eternity with God. And he gives us all the help we need as we continue day by day living and ministering for Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you, my brother and my sister in Christ, to rejoice in Jesus once again this morning, to rejoice in him and to live humbly for him. Renew your commitment to live humbly for the Savior. Our prayer partners will be standing here in just a moment. This 
altar is always open. You may want to come and kneel and do business with the Father. Maybe you just want to come and shout hallelujah. Maybe you just want to come and sing praise to God. Maybe you just want to come and kneel and to renew your commitment to live humbly for the Savior Jesus. Maybe God's going to call you to go and minister to a brother or sister in Christ, to bless them, to encourage them, to comfort them, to share with them a word from the Lord. Maybe just to go shake their hand or hug their neck because you know they're dealing with something that they need a touch from God. They need a word from God. And maybe God's calling you to be the one to go and do that. I pray that you will be willing and courageous to move out and to go and minister that kindness of God our Savior. And to minister his love for us to a brother or sister in Christ. But let me also say, if there are any here this morning who have yet to place your faith and trust in Jesus, receive Jesus today. Receive this gift of love and life today. Because you see, right now, you're square and stuck in verse 3. Verse 4. Verse 4 is waiting. It's available. All you got to do is cry out and receive the kindness and love of God in King Jesus. We're going to worship the Lord now and respond to Him. Our prayer partners will be standing here in front. Let's stand and let's say yes to the Father this morning.